Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Okay, so Lisa, in a world of instant gratification, where is your waiting meter? Well, that all depends on the day. And since you're asking me this day, and since we are rapidly approaching Christmas, and and just, gosh, a little over a week, can you believe it? No. Um, I actually am wanting life to slow down because I always have this, you know, um, Hallmark Christmas card image of how Christmas is going to be, you know, with all the, you know, the sights and the smells and I'm going to do this and entertain and do that. And it generally doesn't happen. I don't even do Christmas cards, which I'm always impressed with yours because you get them out right away and they're always amazing and a great picture. I have to actually do my Christmas cards at the end of October just in order to get them all set up in November to but get see, them out. I'm impressed because you have a plan and you actually do it and I don't. So I, in this way, I am really wanting things to slow down so I can yeah. really get everything fit in that I want to and make it, you know, how I love significance. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I want it to always be significant. Mm-hmm. I never hit my mark, but I try. Well, and don't you just like have this image in your mind that you're going to sit around the fireplace with all your friends drinking coffee yeah. and having Christmas music playing in the background. And even though you're doing all these events right. and you're going to, you know, the different parties or whatever, all the different ministries that have, it, it seems even then you have to really make yourself, force yourself yeah. to be in the moment, be present, to slow down and go, I enjoy and be. this. I yes, know. I'm taking all, and those are the in. moments that you, we, we truly treasure, but unless that, you know, we, we carve out the time and the mm-hmm. space, they don't happen. So anyway, um, yeah, that's, I, so my waiting meter is, you know, your waiting meter yeah, is, is, is a little yeah. iffy. Well, speaking of waiting later on in our show, we are going to be talking with Marlo Shalesky, who is an award-winning author of 10 books. And she has a new release that we're going to make you wait to hear what that new release is. I, I'm going to give you a hint. It has the word wait or waiting in the title. <laughs> Does it? Now? Does it give you that hint? Okay, so before we get too far into our show, we just want to remind you all that you're listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other t- tips that I have and tricks on our website at girlfriended.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, okay, so we're excited about our first guest. It's a good friend. We are always excited to have this guest on the show. I know. And and so we're going to make you wait for a few minutes before we tell you her name because she's such a great friend. She's an amazing leader. She is such a visionary. And we actually first connected over coffee. So we're all coffee lovers. And um, she had a a gold Starbucks card. And I had had just gotten my first, you know, gold Starbucks card. So we instantly connected over our goldenness (laughs) is where we are. So we're like, you're gold. Too. Well, I'm talking about our dear friend Debbie Jones. And Debbie serves with the Stadia team, which transforms lives and communities through church planning. And they plant churches that intentionally care for children. And we always say we love their motto. And it says, and they won't stop until every child has a church. Well, Debbie is the director of Bloom. And with over 30 
years of ministry experience. She has conducted numerous workshops and seminars throughout the United States. She's always hosting a retreat center. She has a beautiful home on the lake, and they, they're all over the United States. She's wow. always hosting some retreat with a bunch of women. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, and church planning has always been a part of their DNA um, with, with her husband, Tom. Well, Debbie understands the vital role that a spouse plays in starting a new church. And she founded Stadia's ministry called Bloom. Bloom empowers women to maximize their role in starting churches. And Debbie and her team keep really busy, like I said, connecting church planning spouses across the United States and in Latin America. Latin America. Latin America. Debbie, welcome to Girlfriend It. Well, thank you. It's great to be here with you guys. You know, I've got my coffee with me, just like you were talking about. I have recently been to a Starbucks, so I'm cracking with you. So you're golden with us. You I got am your golden with you. Yes. All well, right, Debbie, we have to jump in here because we've been talking about waiting this morning. And we have to ask you, how good are you at waiting? Oh, that's a really great question this time of year especially. Um, I would say waiting requires a lot of patience. Mm. And so I and some things I feel like I have a lot of patience. Um, I I you know, have patience for our, our children, our grandkids, I have patience with the women that I work with, you know, that but there are sometimes and especially this time of year, the waiting when you're waiting for an answer to come. For me mm. particularly, it is so hard because my personality is I'm kind of more task. I'm going to make it happen. I'm a hard worker, and I go into the mentality, hey, I'm going to do what it takes to make this happen. And so waiting doesn't fit well with that kind of motto sometimes. Yeah, that, that's kind of a mixed we bag. We were just talking about, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the waiting game of the marshmallow research. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. Uh -uh. Well, well, Patty's going to tell you about that. Lisa <laughs> okay, tell me about on, Patty. on my research because I, I definitely like to, um, to to read everything I possibly can. And the marshmallow research, which is interesting because our next guest um, went to Stanford, and this study took place at uh, Stanford University where they took a bunch of kids. I don't know what the ages were, but younger, you know, five, six-year-olds, and they gave them a marshmallow, and they said, we're going to come back in a little bit of time, and if you wait and not eat the marshmallow, we're going to give you another marshmallow. So they had to sit there for 15 minutes, and of this whole group, it was only like a third of them that actually waited the 15 minutes and didn't eat the marshmallow. And then they did long-term research with that same group, and the ones that waited ended up having a higher score on their SAT, their, their you know, weight, the BMI, everything that showed that they had patience, they had discipline. Um, in the long term, they ended up going to better schools. And then from there, when they got out of college, they had better jobs. And I thought, that is fascinating, all down to we want instant gratification. And for those of us who can wait and work hard at that you know, waiting process. And like you mm -hmm. said, mm -hmm. um, just having that discipline, it, it's a game changer. And th yet we kind of live in the society where everything is instant gratification. Mm -hmm. We put something out on social media, boom, you get, you know, the dopamine or the endorphin rush 
as soon as you see, oh, someone liked it or someone made a comment on it. So you can continuously um, be in that instant gratification rush. I agree with you there because that is something that uh, it's a very interesting uh, that, that concept about the marshmallow. I loved that, but um, I have always um, like be, trying to be disciplined. Try, I think disciplined people do generally. That's what you were saying. Mm-hmm. They're disciplined not to take the marshmallow that plays out even in their life. And I think discipline, uh, you know, usually dictates. I think. Uh, some areas that you can advance in because you're disciplined to stay the course and, and you're not going to give up and stuff. So, um, you know, for me, that's, that's, I feel like I'm pretty disciplined, but then there are other times, though, I'm not saying it's easy to be disciplined. I have to be intentional about saying, okay, I've got this. I need to stay the course. This is the right place to be. This is the right, you know, schedule to go to. Um, and being disciplined, I think, um, Sometimes can be you don't get you don't get benchmarks of hey you're doing the right tracks and sometimes it it takes a while some some answers come quickly and some take years to come you know mm-hmm. you can look back and say it was because I was disciplined or whatever that I now am able to you know have this benefit or or accomplish this in life you know so that's a, that was great I love that marshmallow I wrote that down good stuff. <laughs> Write that down. So we all sit there today with a marshmallow, and can we really wait 15 minutes before that? <laughs> I double, I, I double dog dare you to wait for the marshmallow. <laughs> there, there is something there to go. be said for that. We we want it right. Does it count if we drop right it in now. our hot chocolate and let it wait? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then the 15 minutes. Well, it is funny because uh, a part of that research where we want to procrastinate, and there's the present self, and then there's the future self. And we all go to bed at night going, future self knows, hey, I want to be healthy. I, I, you know, Maybe it's you want to lose weight or I want to be able to start that blog or I want to be able to jump into that ministry. So you lay in bed at night going, all these great ideas for future self. But present self the next morning says, oh, look at here. There's In the office, there's Krispy Kremes. Present self wants that instant gratification. I don't want to wait. I don't want to have to, you know, wait and all of a sudden start putting strategically put a plan together or do a SWOT analysis or whatever you have to do. We want that instant. It's that pleasure principle. And we don't want the future self. Well, I I think I feed my present self a lot more. No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's the question to ask ourselves. Am I feeding yeah. the present or am I feeding my future self, right? Yeah. <laughs> do I, do I yeah. really want this, you know, pleasure principle, uh, soulful, or do I want to start pouring in some strate- strategically planning for that future self? We interrupted you, Dad. Well, I think the word expectation for me uh, is a big E.T. there, you know. Um, you're driven. Sometimes our discipline is driven by the expectations of others. And mm-hmm. you think about it. I mean, losing weight or um, we were, I was just talking to some young moms uh, this morning and about the expectations that's put on them and their seasons in life that you you have to be, um, you have to wait. You know, young moms, they, they, they might come out of the workforce for a little while and then they have to just understand that expectation of what needs to happen there. And, you know, and try to make choices out of that. And so 
for women especially, I think there's a lot of that going on in the waiting part. Sometimes it's just free season, even. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure I could wait long on that donut. I'd probably wait about, you know, 30 seconds and grab it and go, okay, I'm done with my diet. <laughs> well, and, and we rationalize it. Just this one right now, and then like an hour later, Oh my gosh. My palate was so happy. Yeah. I think I, I need another one, yeah. but yeah. yeah, it's, it's dangerous. It's dangerous and it's hard to discipline. Well, we're going to take a quick break here, Deb, and we come back. Um, let's talk about waiting and how it, um, how it applies to our leadership because there's some principles there with waiting and leading that, um, you know, can make a difference. We'll be right back with girlfriend at radio. This is Girlfriend on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. The word cancer is terrifying to most of us. The latest statistics from the American Cancer Association is that each year, 10.9 million people across the world are diagnosed with cancer. It's estimated that worldwide, there are 24.6 million people alive who have received a diagnosis of cancer in the last five years. Around half of these people live in Europe and North America. Do you want to reduce your chances of getting cancer? According to Science Today, exercise aids in the prevention of cancer. Exercise has been shown to strengthen the immune system, improve circulation, reduce body fat, and speed digestion. Each has a role in preventing cancer, particularly cancers of the colon, prostate, uterine lining, and breast. I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are back with our good friend, Debbie Jones, who is the director of Bloom, which is a a ministry that really rallies and brings together and supports church um, planting spouses. And they're part of a larger umbrella, Stadia, which which plants churches worldwide. And their motto is, they won't stop until every child has a church. And we just love, we're ministry partners, and we're in this together with with Bloom and Debbie and her amazing team. But Debbie, when we came right before the, the break, Patty was, um, you know, kind of making us feel guilty and talking to us about our present self and our future self and how sometimes, you know, 
our our present self will see something like, you know, Krispy Kreme or something and we'll want to indulge in it. And our future self is saying, you know, I need to be healthy. I need to be a little more disciplined. And so we, you know, I was thinking as she was talking, I'm like, you know what? I really do feed, no pun intended, my, my present self quite a bit. So as we were going to the commercial break, I was compelled because I, I was thinking about this Krispy Kreme and I have this most amazing, like heaven on a platter uh, cake. It's called Nothing Bunt Cake, and they they're a bunt place cake place here mm. in Arizona, and we just had them for a party. And so I have some extra, and it's a white raspberry with cream cheese. Um, you know, I, I, I'm just striping this. I know I shouldn't, but it was sitting in my refrigerators. I thought I'm like I'm going to go get a piece. And so Patty and I are now indulging our present uh. self. In on, on a white raspberry with cream cheese that is like to die for a butt cake. It's be, it's beyond Debbie. Just to say. So anyway, I just had to share beyond. that little tidbit as um, and could, to, to confess <laughs> oh. that we are now feeding our present self gloriously. So, um, oh, <laughs> okay. Hey, we just love having you on the show, and you. I just so appreciate you, and you know, Patty and I talk about you behind your back, and, and Vanessa and some of the gang, because you guys are just doing amazing things for church planning spouses, and you're providing that place, that safe place for women to gather and be able to talk and say, "Me too," and what are their challenges, and I'm not alone in this, and yet also give them the tools that they need to really step into their leadership role, whether it's you know leading their families and their children, or leading in their community, or leading ministries in their churches. And so it's amazing what you do provide. And like I said earlier, you're always doing a retreat and bringing women together, and you just have a heart and a passion for women. Well, as we're talking about waiting, waiting really does kind of fit in with our leadership and because it's, it's hard to delegate. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. easier. Like you said, I want to get this done. I want, we know how we want something done. We want it done a certain way to really have the impact we want. And so our tendency a lot of times as leaders is I'm just going to do it myself mm-hmm. and really to build teams, which Debbie, you are so great at building teams. And I've been with your teams, with your women and they, they, first of all, they highly respect you and they love you. And that that's such a, that's a rare gift that you have to be able to do that with women. You know how to rally women and, and, and go, here's the, here's the game. Here's the end game. Here's the vision and rally them to do that. That's hard to do because sometimes it's so easy. I'm just going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Talk about the delegating, the waiting, and it applies to your own personal leadership within your ministry. Oh, okay. Um, well, probably when I think about waiting, uh, you know, in obviously there's a verse that I, constantly am reminding myself uh, being in ministry and it you know it talks about uh, but those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength and so I that has always been kind of uh, it's a verse for me that I have to wait um, in order to renew your strength because if you do it yourself and I teach all of these young women if you do everything yourself you're just exhausted you're not mm-hmm. being renewed and right. so when I look at other women, then I say, you know, sometimes, especially in starting churches, we're just trying to find any warm body to take that position, which really is not. We need to have the right people, you know, exercising their gifts and passions in the right position. And so that's hard because we, as you know, we want to check the box. I've done it. But I try to model and to teach. Um, to look at people's giftedness, passions, and where they intersect, where there's a need, and then say, okay, 
uh, remembering that verse that I'm not hurrying, I'm waiting till God sends that to me, and then I'm going to, in a sense, empower that person into that. So I kind of, sometimes when I'm, I keep a list, sometimes of this is where I feel like I need help in these areas, and um, and then I think, okay, God, how can you send or how can I wait and you provide someone to feel that instead of me trying to feel that? I'm not as gifted in that area, so bring someone alongside me to do that. That is so hard to wait for that. That's what I was talking about. Some things I'm really patient with. This is a time when I'm like, okay, God, you know, I need the answer in the next two hours, you know, and some, that's not going to happen very often. And so for me, I think sending the right people um, is really important at the right time. You know, God's timing is perfect. And so that is another thing for me. And truly um, waiting for God to open the door rather than me forcing the door open for someone to lead. And I've been amazed at how God has raised up the most amazing women using their gifts and passions because they're serving out of out of uh, joy then rather than out of, you know, well, I've got to do this. You know, we work on a no guilt and bring. Mm-hmm. And I've just done that because I think I, you know, I was, I, we started two churches, and I know what that means, and I know what that feels like when you need so many places to be filled and you're one person, and so you're going to try to fill, you know, 14 areas. And that's, you're not very effective then. So I'm trying to teach and model that to other young leaders. Mm. That is that's such something a, that's, Well, that's just such a great, that's such a great tip. I, I love what you said, how you have a different plan. I think there's so much pressure um, to produce like these spectacular results overnight. And, you know, we see what everybody else, it's easy to look at somebody else's ministry and it's easy to go, oh, this church is exploding. And you just hear all these great stories. So you have the pressure. And and I love what you said, because you're out there and you think you're getting the right person. And all of a sudden, if you're just patient, God brings that person with those gifts rather than forcing it to happen. And I, I think that is... Um, so many times what we, what we do in, in ministry and, and even you said something else and I don't, I don't know what triggered it, but I know Lisa and I, when we were doing ministry to just have, and we probably celebrate way, way too much as we're sitting here eating our, our raspberry bunt cake. Um, but celebrate the little things as you move forward, rather than you have all of this, you know, where we want these huge results and we want to explode the ministry and go, yeah, but today we did this. Let's celebrate this victory. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, you know, the yep. thing with dating and, and wanting to, you know, we're so quick to rush to, like you said, Deb, to get a warm body in there. Um, because we, there's a need and we need to fill it up. But what we don't realize is you get the wrong person in that spot and it can be extremely painful. And then to have to undo that is causing you a lot more work than if you just had waited for the right person. Um, and, and I, so I think that's, you know, encouragement in the waiting. It's like, it really is significant to get the right person at the right time that God is nudging too. that God is nudging and, and prodding in that direction. And they're waiting to be asked and, you know, God kind of matches, matches people up. So, um, I mean, it, it is, it is hard to wait, but it actually, in the long run, it's more sustainable. 
For me, I think, too, I've been, um, you know, I, I pray about it. I ask other leaders sometimes to speak into something. Like if I think, oh, golly, you know, is this the right, is this the right decision? People that are close and, and have, a, you know, know my heart's desire for that. And um, I think, um, you know, celebrating the thing, what I love that when you were just kind of echoing what we talked about was that if you can celebrate and realize what God has done to the present thing, rather than always looking out, you know, we need to be bigger. We need, I need this. I need that. Rather than just celebrating the current, where I'm at. And uh, I think that, you know, the old saying, you know, if you look at what you've accomplished in two years, past two years, or what God is going to accomplish in the next five, it's a bigger thing than day to day. You know, he, God has a plan for you. So it's not quite so, uh, you know, we don't just check boxes off on that. I think for me, I have to let go. I, I, I was just thinking, you know, when you said something, at least I think it was you that said that, um, letting go and letting God, you know, mm-hmm. just for me to let go. You know, I'm one that, like I said in the very beginning, I'm one that I'm going to make it. I'm tough, and I can do this, and I'm determined, and I'm disciplined. But if I just let go of some of that and release leadership to others, truly empowering them, then God does amazing things mm-hmm. because it's not it's not all about me. It's about then we, and mm-hmm. uh, I think that's a big thing that I've tried to model in, in the leaders that I'm raising up. Well, and it is so easy to jump in because we you know we we know in our head what we think we want, and it's just easier to do it ourselves and jump in. And it is really hard, and it takes a lot of discipline to wait. And and truly, we you know we we see our ministries or we see our jobs or whatever we see is really it it belongs to God. We get a partner with Him. That can change the whole mindset. It's not mine. It's not mine to just start dictating and controlling. And and that's what we want to do because we see an instant need that is screaming at our for our attention. And we just want to you know we want to silence that need right away. And, and so we are too quick to jump the gun a lot of times when God is saying, just wait a little bit. You know, I think about even as women, you know, we, we birth life and life into ministries, life into whatever, but we also birth life and God has us wait nine months. And so the expectation, you know, so, you know, he's having us wait for this amazing thing at the end. It's not so, it's not so quick. And, and all that we learn in that nine months and all that we go through in increments, you know, and it's kind of like just in life, it's like, let it let it kind of you know percolate a little bit. Let it just you know kind of evolve, and, and it'll be amazing when it happens. Well, Deb, we just have a few seconds before we have to say goodbye, and we just appreciate you, the ministry of Bloom and Stadia, and all the girlfriends that you have rallied around that are amazing leaders, and we just appreciate all that you do, um, just for churches all across America and Latin America. Because you're always taking a taking a jaunt over there, um, and just the input and the impact you're having. So, just thank you as, as our friend and, and as our co-leader, and, and just in ministry and building the kingdom. We appreciate you all, and just wishing you a great, great, great Christmas and a merry one. And thank you for all you do. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Girlfriend at Radio.
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. It's a fact that eating breakfast is extremely important. Many Americans start their day by eating a bagel with cream cheese. They find it satisfying and feel that it's a healthy choice for breakfast. But is that true? Eat This, Not That states that a bagel is shaped like a zero for a reason. It has almost 500 calories with 8 grams of fat and 634 milligrams of sodium. The majority of the 500 calories come from refined carbohydrates with little redeeming nutrition to justify the price tag. A much better choice would be a low-calorie, multi-grain English muffin with two tablespoons of peanut butter for 300 calories. This is satisfying and nutritionally charged. Choose a breakfast that works for you and not against your healthy, light lifestyle. I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. All right. Well, we've been saying, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. And it is finally happening. We have Marlo Shalesky. She's an award-winning author of 10 books, including both fiction and nonfiction. Marlo's nonfiction releases include Wrestling with Wonder, A Transformational Journey Through the Life of Mary, and her latest book, Waiting for Wonder, Learning to Live on God's Timetable. And she's also a speaker and regular columnist writer for David C. Cook's Power for Living. And Marlo, I have to say, we were just talking about uh, Stanford University, the marshmallow study. And uh, I realized that you're also a graduate of Stanford University. And you also have your master's in theology with an emphasis in biblical studies from Fuller Theological Seminary, which I I believe three or four of my family members have gone there. And uh, so I'm in and awe. And two of mine have. And two of yours. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're quite the group here. But uh, tell us, Marlo, um, have you heard of the marshmallow study from Stanford? I have. I love that marshmallow study. Okay. Because <laughs> we've been talking about it, and I'm like, okay, somebody has had to have heard of this marshmallow study because I just find it so fascinating. Um, so after you're, you're coming up with this, um, this book here, Waiting for Wonder, what was your, what inspired you? Because I, I love both of those words. I love waiting because I do think that I don't, we, <laughs> I don't love waiting. I, I work at waiting and I love the word wonder. I love wonder. I'll give you that word. Yes. Yes. 
So tell us, what inspired you to write this latest book? Well, I know personally for me, waiting is just the hardest thing God asked me to do, and I do it very poorly, you know, naturally. So to find wonder in this wait, I wanted to do that. I wanted to see what God had for me in the story of Sarah that would speak to me about my own waiting, because I know that for me, God, I think, has given me a Ph.D., in the art of waiting because he's given me so many opportunities to practice and practice and practice, and I don't like it much. And I thought, wow, what if there was something else to this waiting thing? Maybe it wasn't punishment. Maybe if I could find something beautiful, find something of God in it. And that's what inspired me to dig deep into this story and to look at it in regards to my own life and how it it would affect me. Mm. There's so much there, Marlo, and what you're saying. The way, I, there's a couple things I, I thought of while you were saying that. Um, there's a book called The Land in Between, talking about going into the promised land and how, you know, when you're wandering in the desert for 40 years, that, that land in between, and a lot can happen there. Like you said, just that, that waiting period uh, the, of if we paused and thought of all the things that God's doing during that time and really truly be present in the moment. And then I, I recently was reading a book by Simon Sinek and he talks about how even when we're in the waiting room or you're at a restaurant and as soon as there's a second of a pause, what do we usually do? Fill it. We fill it with grabbing our cell phone. It's, it's, if somebody grabs their cell phone, then we grab our cell phone. If you're waiting at the office, if you're in a meeting and somebody's sitting there with their cell phone, we grab our cell phone. And we just don't sit and wait and pause for those few seconds to even let your mind be creative. And right. it's, it's sad when you think about it that we just instantly have to fill our brain with Maybe I have a text message. Maybe I need to play Angry Birds. Maybe I have to look at my email. Whatever it is, we're we are not waiting for the the wonder. So that's that's really neat that you were inspired to write this. So can you tell us a little bit about your personal experience in waiting? Why you were writing this book? Yeah, there's a couple things that have been big waiting times in my life. Much like uh, Sarah, Abraham's wife, I went through infertility as well. We had Mm -hmm. 20 years of it. And there is nothing like infertility to teach you about waiting because you get every month you're waiting and being disappointed. Occasionally I would actually have a baby in that 20-year period through extreme medical intervention. But I learned just a lot about how difficult it is to wait. After month, after month, after month, after year, after year, after year of this waiting process where there's nothing I could do to make, to make a change. The power and control to have a baby was clearly completely out of my hands. And that's really the kind of waiting that I find most difficult and the kind that God calls me to so often is that I have no control. I have to wait, waiting. And that's kind of where I've come in that. And lately... My uh, son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And boy, Mm -hmm. howdy, have I been learning how to wait again in that. Mm -hmm. I give him insulin and you wait and see if his blood sugar will come down, knowing that if it doesn't, there's just terrible consequences to that. He could have organ damage. We could have ketones. We could be in the hospital. Or his blood sugar is too low, 
and I've given him some juice. And I'm waiting. Is is he going to come up or is he going to dive down and go into a seizure and die? And those are my options. And I find that complete lack of control there. I've done everything I can, and now I have to just wait and see, and everything's in God's hand. So God is giving me yet again that opportunity to wait. Ah, it's hard. And yet I find that's where he meets me. That's where God's at, right there in that waiting place. Mm. Well, and waiting, when I, you're listening to, you know, just thinking about waiting, waiting and the word control kind of go together because we want to jump in and take over and take control of it. We don't want to wait because we don't know the outcome. And then also waiting involves a lot of trusting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, with God, like, God, are you really going, do you really have this? You know, are you really going to take this over? And Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about it because we want to, I feel, you know, and I know that I have come from the place when, when I worry, I feel like I'm doing something. You know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and so it's like you do it because then you're like, well, at least I'm part, I'm doing something. And you and then you start realizing that's not a healthy way yeah. to, you know, participate in this. So waiting is really hard. And then you use Sarah as example. But, you know, we see her that, you know, she didn't wait really well. She kind of jumped in and took over, you know, by offering Hagar, you know. And so how did you come up through that process of even Sarah in the midst of her mistakes what did you find that we learned from that and that you yeah. were able to kind of pull from that? Mm-hmm. I just love, love, love using Sarah for this because she reminds me of me. She's not very good at this. She makes these awful mistakes, like you mentioned. She gives, she not only gives Hagar, her maidservant, to her husband, but then when Hagar gets pregnant, then she ends up beating Hagar and mm-hmm. abusing her so badly that Hagar runs away. And we see Sarah become just the very worst version of herself. Mm-hmm. And that, that gives me hope because right after that, I mean, you might expect God to say, well, look at you, you've made all those mistakes, I can't use you. But that's the exact opposite of what he does. We see the whole Hagar incident, and in the very next chapter, the very next thing God does after he brings Hagar back so he can restore that relationship, but then he gives Sarah, this new name for himself, El Shaddai, the God who is able, God Almighty. And he calls her into a deeper relationship with him by giving her her new name of Sarah. So she goes from being Sarai to Sarah. And in doing that, he's asking her to come closer, draw deeper. And I just love that. He never takes away his promises. He just renews them right there, right after her worst mistake. And, wow, that gives me hope. It's like, you know what? What if I do this badly? What if I mess up? What if I take things into my own hands and make just a gigantic mess of it? And God's saying, you know, you might do that, but I'm here. I can redeem, and I can even take those mistakes and call you deeper to me. There's nothing that's out of my reach. Well, I, I love the way that you even describe that. And you're right. It just gives us so much hope. I know Lisa and I, that has kind of been our um, our little motto for so many years. So we look at each other and go, are we grabbing the maidservant? I mean, to almost to the point where it became a verb. Are you maidservanting here? You know, <laughs> and that's what makes it so hard is that you don't know, like you can read what happened with Sarah and you go, well, that wasn't very smart. And yet we do the same thing and we mm-hmm. don't even realize that we're, we're doing that. And to just, 
just, you know, continuously be in that state of prayer of, okay, God, you have to make this so clear if we're grabbing the maidservant here, or are we really listening to, you know, your guidance and your wisdom? And yet, on the other hand, if your heart's in the right place and your intentions, you're you're meaning to, you know, move this forward to honor God, then like you said, it it's okay if you mess up. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> or, you know, even sometimes you might not have the best intentions. Well, that doesn't you define not. your story. Exactly. Like it didn't define Sarah's story and it doesn't define ours, but we want to, we put that on ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. okay. And we label our own selves. The stories we tell ourselves is I messed up. I'm a failure, mm-hmm. you know, and we stop right. there. And then separate ourselves from God. Uh, by believing those lies rather than just looking at the truths of what God has showed us in scripture. Well, we just have less than two minutes before we're going to take a break, but what, what made you land on Sarah? Uh, I was listening to a sermon on her and I thought, wow, that reminds me of my journey, not the infertility part so much, but the ups and downs and the waiting and things not going the way she would have thought. And so Mm -hmm. I loved the idea of Sarah who kind of bumbled her way through this, and God did miracles and made a beautiful, beautiful life. And I thought, I've got to look into this more deeply because mm-hmm. that, that makes sense to me, this idea of the promises of God that are not fulfilled the minute he gives them. And you bumble right. through and you do your best, and then God does something beautiful and amazing and wondrous, not only for you, but for the whole world. Mm. And that is so true. And it, 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 is, it is interesting how there are these certain characters in the Bible, you know, and I think women resonate with certain women a lot, that you go, I find my story in their story. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot we can learn. And it goes back to, like, even now, you know, it's women need other women in their life. And so a lot of times, it, you know, it is the stories of women in the past, but it's also the ones that are in our life now that we find that encouragement from and to go on and, and that will help us wait in those moments when you want to throw in the towel and you want to take things into your own hand and control it. And you have those saying, no, 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 let's, let's wait. Let's see, see what about that. And we need those voices because it's so easy to go. I am so discouraged. Like you're talking about your son with medical and, and that is such a hard place to be with the medical thing. And, and it's like, I don't have control. And, and what if, and we play all these scenarios out. And so we do need women to encourage and support us. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back with more conversation on Girlfriend at Radio. This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. 
We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. son just adopted a dog, a red fox Labrador named Scout. There is no better psychologist in the world to help you feel good, like a happy-go-lucky Norse Boris puppy licking your face. Dogs are really smart. If you think dogs can't count, try putting three dog biscuits in your pocket and then giving Fido only two of them. Your dog will be snuzzling or poking around with his nose to find the last biscuit. If people are really smarter than dogs, why are we the ones walking along behind them with the pooper scooper? The reason a dog has so many friends is that he wags his tail instead of his tongue. Even though owning a dog can cause us to become dartle dum doos or someone who spent all of their energy, dogs reward us by giving us their all. It's the best deal man has ever made. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we have been having a great conversation with Marlo Shalesky, who is an award-winning author of 10 books, including both fiction and nonfiction. And Marlo's latest book, Waiting for Wonder, Learning to Live on God's Timetable. Uh, Marlo, you take readers on this unique journey examining the life of Abraham's wife, Sarah, and you reveal what we often miss as um, when we are going through that struggle of waiting. And you talk about your own struggle with infertility. And uh, we kind of left there going on a commercial break, but we didn't give the beautiful ending of this long struggle for you in the waiting period of infertility that uh, your promised land at the end there, you have six kids. I do. Tell us us how that happened. Oh, my goodness. God thinks this is just super funny. But (laughs) it was a long journey. Through those 20 years of infertility, we would have um, all these medical treatments trying to get pregnant, and occasionally one would work. So we ended up having four four girls went through medical treatments over 20 years. Our Mm. first took like 11 years for that one. It was just horrendous. But on the last, on those last two, we got twins. And our chances for having twins with that procedure was just tiny, tiny. It was like less than 1%. So God always likes to put me on the tiny percentage side of things. And then I turned 40, and we were done. I'm like, okay, well, I haven't been able to get pregnant on my own all this time. So here I am. I'm 40. We're done. Give away all my stuff. And at 41 years old, I get a positive pregnancy test. So for the first time, I had a baby just naturally. And then a couple years later, another one, well into my 40s. So that's how we ended up with six, and it wasn't until after my 40s that we were able to have them naturally, and what a surprise. So I ended up with this giant brood, and uh, we tried so hard to have any. Uh, It's just crazy. Well, God does have a sense of humor, you know? It's like, (laughs) I will show you my plan. Yeah. Just wait for it. Here it comes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's always encouraging because I think a lot of times we think the most significant things in in our lives happen and 
in our younger years because our culture is so like youth oriented mm-hmm. and we, and we, and, and I think a lot of times it's easy as we get into our forties and even our fifties that we start going, Oh, I don't have as much impact. And, and, and we start diminishing our own story and God's like, no, I have you, have you not mm-hmm. read the Bible? And some of my best works were with people in their latter years mm-hmm. and, um, in, in times of seasons of life when, it didn't look like it would happen, and that's when he does this. So that's exciting. That's cool. That's really cool how he yeah. used your story and the sense of humor there. It's like, I'll give you twins, and then I'll give you, I'll give you more. So, yeah. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, you have a full house then. So um, I don't know how waiting looks for you now with six, six young kids in the house. <laughs> well, yeah. What are, what are you waiting for right now with, with God? Well, normally I'm waiting for people to find their shoes. I don't get it. But nobody can ever find their shoes before school. It's uh, And nobody ever takes them off, you know, like together. There's always yes. only one. So, so we do a lot of that. With all these six kids, when do you have time to write a book? I mean, that's oh, amazing. That's that's how you think. Yeah. Yeah. It's very difficult to find time to write a book, but... I love doing this. I love digging deeply into the lives of these biblical characters and finding things that impact my own life and change everything in my perspective on how I see God. And that's what I'm really looking for. When I write this book, I wrote one on Mary. That's the Wrestling for Wonder book. And I was like, wow, God really shows me things about who he is and his character that I would have never seen otherwise. And I think that's what I love. I just, I just want to, like, touch the hem of his cloak and then get a little closer. Mm. Now that's, that's powerful. So what would you advise our listeners? First of all, um, we just appreciate you coming on, on the show and, and challenging us in the waiting game. And we choose to focus on the wonder of, of waiting mm-hmm. instead of the waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is wonder for those that, that choose and dare to wait um, in the, in the journey. But as we're, how can our listeners Find your you and your book, and then what is it again you want them to know just to, you know, if, when they feel like, you know what, I, I really am not good at waiting or I've messed up in my life like Sarah because I tried to take things in my own hand. What words of advice would you give our listeners? Right. That's a great question. And first of all, I encourage um, our listeners to come to vividgod.com, V-I-V-I-D, God. Dot com. That's my website. I have helps there, links to all my books, links for this one. And uh, find me there. Find me on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter. And I hope to connect with everybody. And here's a bit of advice I'd like to give. We often think that waiting is a peaceful-looking thing where we just sit with our hands folded and we do nothing, and it's super easy. But that's not the case at all. Waiting can be messy. It's okay. And it's all right if it's ugly a bit, if there's a lot of frustration and hurt and angst in it. It's okay. What we need to do, though, the one thing that we need to do is turn toward God in that difficult time of waiting. If we just turn toward him instead of giving up and walking away, God can work with just about anything. So I know when I'm waiting, I just feel like like quitting. And that's the one thing we can't do. We can tell God how angry we are. We can tell him how frustrating it is. All that's fine as long as we're turning toward him and allowing him to do the deep work in us that we can't do for ourselves. And that's what he's doing in that waiting time. 
it's, I always love to say this because I, I absolutely believe it's true, and that is when we can see him the least, when he seems the most absent, is when he's doing the most deepest, intimate work in our hearts. He's closest mm-hmm. to us when we can't see him. Mm. That's so true. So in, in your study of, of Sarah, and, and, and obviously you had to say a little bit about Hagar, what was, what was the thing about this waiting in their story that surprised you the most or that stood out to you that you went, wow, I hadn't seen it in that way before? Oh, yeah. This changed my life in this story because I have always, always thought about waiting as an enemy. It's something you don't want to do. It's something bad. It's horrible. And I thought it was about punishment and the idea of, well, if I just learned my lesson fast enough, you know, if I could learn it quicker, if I was better, then God wouldn't have me wait. And it's it's kind of my fault that I'm in this waiting place. And the story of Sarah turned my life around on that issue because I saw that the whole purpose of waiting, while it does change us, the purpose of it is to birth joy. Because we birth Isaac out of this, and he means laughter. And the whole thing is so that God can create this amazing and wondrous joy in our lives. And that takes time. He's not punishing me. He's doing this amazing work. And his purpose isn't this wagging finger thing. But it's this amazing, amazing joy and laughter and freedom that he's working toward. And that encourages me when I'm in that waiting place and I'm scared or I'm frustrated. I say, wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't about the shaking finger. This is about God creating something beautiful. So I just need to hang on. I need to turn toward him. I'm going to hang on and see what he's going to do. Well, those that, that, you know, we don't tend to frame waiting in that way. And we do think, you know, like you said, it's a punishment. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to punish you and make you wait this out. Kind of like you feel like you're in timeout as a kid. Yeah. Corner here and timeout and you're going to think about it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I think we, we tend to put that label with God and waiting and sort of reframing it that it, it's not an enemy and it's not punishment, but it really is an opportunity to um, experience joy Mm -hmm. in that journey. And, and so I think that's a challenge for us is how are we going to frame the waiting period. And, you know, a lot of us, you know, maybe in that season of waiting right now. And, and that's a hard season. That's a hard place to be. Um, and, but we have to choose to see it differently. Mm -hmm. So in the last, we just have like three minutes. Is there anything else you would love to share from your own personal experience again, or from somebody, you know, a character in the Bible again, that you would just encourage, because these are great tips um, in the waiting, because it is, it's so hard to wait. And you know, we talked about how God, we talked earlier how God, um, you know, he gives us nine months to wait, you know, for the birthing process. And he gives us, you know, we have these, you just see these periods of waiting. And then we also have our culture that says, you know, with Amazon, you can order it this morning and get it tonight, you know? So we have, we have, the, we have two conflicting realities in our mm-hmm. lives and it's, it's hard to kind of reconcile that, you know, I want to, I want to live my life like Amazon, you know, where mm-hmm. I get it right away. And, but that's not always God's way. So just in the last three minutes, how would you, how would you encourage yeah. our listeners? Oh, yes. I know oh, there's going to be people listening that are, that are in a waiting, a very difficult waiting place right now, and they're thinking, is there any hope? You know, am I going to be here forever? And one of my favorite verses of the Bible is a little odd thing in Isaiah. 
and it says this. It says grain must be ground to make bread. So you have to wait some because you're being made into bread, into something that can feed and nourish the world. And then it goes on to say, but one does not go on threshing it forever. And when we're in that waiting place, we feel like we're going to be threshed forever. And yet right here, it's like, wait a minute, this will not go on forever. There is a process where God's going to bring out something beautiful and fruitful and this amazing bread, and the threshing doesn't go on in eternity. Mm. Hang on. And I I love that weird little verse because it's encouraged me so much in my own life as I was waiting for children, as I'm waiting for anything, as I'm waiting, gosh, when we were waiting for Jaden's diagnosis, and it was type 1 diabetes, and then when we got it, and I'm waiting to find out what does this mean for our lives. Because those, mm-hmm. those medical things are so difficult. And it's like, you know what? No one threshes it forever. And it'll mm-hmm. seem in those waiting times that you're getting a pile on. It's one thing after the next thing after the next thing, and that's super typical. That's mm-hmm. not an odd thing, but God is working, and he's, he's building something beautiful. And that belief, I think, is what, it's what helps me to, to not panic, because otherwise, you know, I'm good at that panic thing. So this helps me to just say, wait a minute, I know what I know, and I know that God loves me. I know that he is doing something in this time that I can't see yet, and it's going to be all right. And don't look to culture, because culture, like you were saying, is no help at all to us in this. It's no. It's a solid belief that, that God is really working. Culture will tell you to do, 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 and God is saying to watch. Mm. So the doing that we're doing is the watching to see what to see what God is bringing into our lives. Well, we can't thank you enough for joining our show and just sharing what God has taught you and revealed to you. It's been such an encouragement to so many. You've been listening to Girlfriend at Radio. Have a great day. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the 